Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Thrive. My name is Gene Marks, and I am your host and your fan and your commentator who will lead you through this discussion that I am having uh, with a, a, a great guest, Dennis Hua, who is the CEO of Copper. Copper is a CRM company, a customer relationship management application um, that's very unique among CRM applications. And I'll give you away the spoiler alert. Copper works with G Suite and Gmail. I mean, if you are running a business and you're using G Suite you're, and you're into it, um, Copper is like a CRM application that fits right in there. What's interesting about that to me also is that you know, if you are using Microsoft Office or you're not in the Google world, Copper is probably not a good solution for you, which is, you know, means that this company is basically eliminating a lot of potential customers because they're not in the Google world. So we're going to talk with Dennis about why he sort of chose that business model and why he chose that direction. More importantly, he's an experienced guy with CRM. He has been through, like me, lots of implementations, lots of companies, lots of clients where we've had successful you know, CRM projects and some, some pretty big failures as well, at least speaking on my behalf. Uh, Dennis is going to share with you some some thoughts on this, some mistakes that businesses have made uh, when they're implementing CRM, some advice to avoid those mistakes. We also touched on some popular add-ons for, add-ons for CRMs and integrations that might be of interest to you. And um, we're talking about the future of CRM as well. It's all about AI, artificial intelligence and workflows and automation and what you should be keeping an eye out, what you should be considering, not only when you're selecting a new CRM application, but when you're trying to get the most out of your existing CRM application. So it's Dennis Fa. He's the CEO of Copper, and we're going to be talking to him in just a minute. And before we go to him, let me remind you, if you've got any topics you'd like to suggest or comments or questions, guests that you would like to pitch us as well for this podcast, please submit them. Go to payx.me forward slash thrive topics, and you can submit those ideas and those topics and those potential guests to us. It's payx, that's P-A-Y-X.me forward slash thrive topics. Come on and give us your feedback and let us know who you'd like us to talk to and what topics would be interesting for you to help you run your business. All right, well, enough of that. Let's get to our conversation with Dennis. Here we come. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming back. I'm here with Dennis Foy, who's the CEO of Copper. Uh, Dennis, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gene. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to be. I'm really glad. I've got a lot of questions to ask of you um, and a lot of things to talk about. First of all, um, let's talk a little bit about Copper. Um, uh, tell me about you know the platform itself as a CRM. Yeah, so uh, we're Copper. Copper is a CRM uh, company, but it's a a different take on CRM that uh, then you might whenever you think about the word CRM. So we focus on uh, Google Workspace users. It used to be Google Gmail or G Suite users. And the reason why we've done it is because we believe that CRM should be in the background and not in the foreground, and it should work with you where you work. And most of us work in a productivity tool that we like. And our, cho- and our, our customers work in Google. And so you do your email, you do your docs. And what you want is your CRM to sort of help you and the team to be organized and provide you context about the information that you share with your customers. And so in our, it's our belief that you, to build a CRM in the sort of 21st century, the CRM needs to sort of take a 
backseat row be less visible than they were in the 90s. And hence, uh, Copper's idea was born and we focus very much on the Google stuff. Got it. So when you're, you know, when, when my clients are investing in CRM applications, it's a big, it's a big decision. And, you know, you would hope that it's the last time you ever have to do this. Uh, you'll be a long time with, with your CRM platform. So uh, you know, just uh, as a description of the company, you know, like how long has Copper been around? Um, you know, how big are you guys? Tell us a little bit about yeah. your, your customer base. Just give me some. Yeah, comments. very happy to help. Um, so since 2015, uh, that's where sort of we first sort of started to get to market. So we've been around for a few years now, I guess in software terms, that's quite long. Um, and we have, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of customers and thousands and thousands of users on the platform, uh, not particularly tied to any geography of country. We have a lot of international clients. Our Bread and butter is really in the US. So I'd say 75, 80% of our customers are here in the US and the rest is of Northern Europe and Asia uh, Pacific. Small customers to big customers. The demographics are what we would call SMB customers uh, up to you know, a couple of hundred employees and some, and some folks are, are, are up to a couple of thousand employees. Um, so you mentioned that Copper is really based, you know, and built in in Gmail. So just to make clear, so if I'm an Office user, I'm an Outlook user, not for Correct. me? Correct. Yes, yes. Okay. For now, we would just want to focus on uh, Google Workspace. And there's a very specific reason for That's that. A, yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear. I mean, it's a bold move. I mean, a lot of CRM applications, they want to be everything to everybody. So you're you're basically cutting out that entire market of people that are in like, you know, the Microsoft world. Why are you doing Yeah, uh, many people have asked me how crazy I really am about that. And we've had many conversations. Yeah. It's a matter of focus. Um, I think um, the experience that we want to build is one where the CRM sort of works with you as an assistant to what you do daily without interrupting your flow or without forcing you to context switch. Uh, our, the customers that we focus on are what we call sort of like relationship intensive companies, the companies that have a, that really work because they are engaging with their existing clients or have high value, high touch type of engagement. They're not transactional high velocity companies. These are uh, companies in relationship intensive industries. And what they all have in common is that most of their work is really about communicating with users or creating information for those users. So think about e exchanging emails or calls or sharing information like your documents or presentation or sheet that you've been working on. And what you really want, to, you don't want to be distracted from that work because you, your CRM is asking you to update something. Most of us, 95% of the information is digital. And so all of us sit in a situation whereby you're, if you're not careful, you end up just mapping information from one system into another to make somebody else happy, your boss or something. But it doesn't really help you to become more productive or effective or better organized in what you do today. And I think to do that well, you have to deeply integrate into a workspace. And that could be uh, Microsoft. It could be Google. It could be Slack. And there's some conversations that we can have about how the world is, is going. Yeah. But I'm yeah. absolutely convinced that the CRM of the future is not a desktop, an enterprise desktop that is that is that you have to work in yourself. Most of us will not work in the CRM. We would expect the CRM to take the information that we're working on and make that available to us and the team. 
So let's have that conversation about where the world is going because it's important. You know, you you know, a lot of companies, most software companies, they want to they want to have you as a customer for life. Um, you're going to be in bed with them forever. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned Slack, which is now owned by Salesforce, right? So, um, you know, the world of CRM is kind of breaking into these big sort of powerhouses. You have Salesforce and Microsoft and you know SAP, and then you got smaller players like yourself. Um, Google is not a CRM company. It's never really been in that market. Do you, do you see Google going in that direction? Do you think Google, you know, will get into more of the business applications that we've seen Salesforce and Microsoft, you know, you know, invest? Yeah, I doubt it very much. I mean, investing, yes, they're an investor in us, but uh, okay. I doubt it very much that they'll be going deep into the CRM area or business applications area. I think that Google is making extraordinary investments in the productivity so the owning the sort of employee and the consumer productivity suites this is where you've seen these heavy investments uh, with new leadership in the in the google workspace rebrand right you see you'll see much more happening there and it will continue to happen um i think what is interesting to look at though is i think you know you are an an avid follower of CRM. And I think you both you and I have seen an era where we were always talked about CRM as the enterprise desktop, which is basically what we meant with that is that if you're a work at the company and your company is the CRM, chances are you're going to have to do a lot of work in the CRM, right? Because that's where your process is basically codified and it, so you know what to do next. And, and what we're seeing is that that mindset is shifting. So Salesforce owned the enterprise desktop of its customers. And so did SAP and so did Oracle. We're seeing that that mind shift is shifting very rapidly. And I think demographic has got something to do with it. But the idea that you have a big application that owns your work environment as an employee, if you're a knowledge worker, it's increasingly very, very low likelihood that that's going to be the case where you work, right? Unless you are a call center worker and you have to follow particular specific type processes, then you are probably going to be working for most of the knowledge workers that won't be the case, but still the information needs to be made available to your company because we need that CRM does two things. It gives you revenue visibility and it gives you customer visibility. And there is nowadays much better ways of doing that without forcing your users or your employees in a straitjacket of how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so what you're right. seeing is Salesforce, a very, very smart acquisition by Slack, because Slack is a very, very good workspace. Microsoft is tightly integrating Office 365 and Dynamics to do the same. And I think what you're going to see is, and we are very much doing that with Google, I think you're going to see those that are of a school of thought that employees will work in their productivity tools in the CRM augments itself around that, goes into the background, and you'll have the generic CRM place that says, no, 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 it, I sit basically on top of that. It doesn't matter what tools you use. I expect you to use us as an enterprise desktop. And I think the choices that customers will need to make is whether they're choosing CRM for process adherence. So they have a very stable, repeatable process and they want employees to follow that or whether they, see, they, they choose a CRM for customer revenue visibility and expect more flexibility. And then you'll have to make a choice whether you choose a productivity CRM or a process CRM, like a pipeline system. Uh, and I, and I, it's actually interesting. I'm very excited how about this is going to play out over the next couple of years. It's the biggest, uh, I think, dynamic shift we've seen in a long time in the industry. 
Dennis, you had mentioned um, just before that you know Google is an investor of copper. What what does that mean exactly? Do you guys have more access to Google's technologies? Do you have a, a you know, a closer relationship with them to make sure that copper is working and playing well within GSP? Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not sure that they are necessarily linked to the investment, but we do have a really really good relationship with Google, especially on the product side. So we we do really okay. well. So I would say that. The, the, the connectivity and the relationship has helped us to go deeper on the product and actually get a lot of uh, early look in, into things or early attachments into things. Uh, that's very helpful. From a go-to-market perspective, we don't do uh, that much because Google also needs to be neutral on that front. But from a product, absolutely. Uh, API access, uh, early access, collaboration. Only recently, in the, we have been featured in the Google Next uh, event, and particularly when it comes to sort of interconnecting what happens in the Google workspace and copper. So, for instance, somebody uh, uh, sends an e- basically sent, uh, tags you in copper, and that produces an email in your inbox in in Google that you can just reply to without having to go into the system to make sure it's updated and things like that. Got it. Um, you know, I I, I want to get your thoughts. On some other things that are impacting my clients that are using CRM applications. First thing is um, vertical CRMs, right? You know, I and I, I got to give you my two cents on this as well. When I, I I come across a lot of you know clients and prospective companies, they're like, oh, we need to have a CRM for because we're a manufacturing business or we're in the healthcare business. We have to have a healthcare based CRM. I've always thought that's a bunch of baloney myself. I mean, I always think like a CRM system is all about the people and companies that you're that you're working with and really any mainstream CRM like a copper can easily, easily be fitted uh, to work within any industry. But I'm curious what your thoughts are when, when somebody comes to you and says, oh, you know, we're looking at copper, but, you know, hey, you know, we're a manufacturer and we really think we should have a manufacturer's CRM. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? What's your response? Yeah, to that? I uh, tend to agree. This is a bit of a philosophical point, right? But I tend to agree yeah. with you, too, that... Um, I think I can only come up with very, very narrow cases where it's extremely specific, uh, where it would make sense. Uh, but in the majority, especially with the customers that we are talking to, it probably isn't. What you see that the I think the better question to ask is is have you thought about your business model as a customer? So before you select the CRM, is what is your business model? Because I think you have a transactional business model or a relational business model. If you have a transactional business model, then there are CRMs out there that are very, very good at codifying and helping you to codify how to manage repeat transactions. So I need so many MQLs that convert to so many SQLs that convert to so many opportunities. Great, and they become my customers. And they it's sort of almost templatized and pipelines and it all works great. If you're a relational company, Things get a little bit trickier in terms of your selection of what you what you should select. Now, all of a sudden, an opportunity or pipeline or a lead module is not that important because you're not getting thousands of inbound leads a day or a week or a month. So for me, the most important question is think about your business model as an organization first before you make it. The industry is really not that relevant because you're actually potentially running into a risk that a lot of the industry-specific CRMs are just not evolving and not receiving the necessary yeah. investment. And so they're going to be uh, behind the, the eight ball on the technology investment perspective very, very quick. It's very tough to build a CRM specific for one industry and then be on top of everything from a technological perspective at the same time. 
Yeah, I say the same thing as well. A lot of the a lot of the industry players uh, that are in the CRM business, and there there's some really good ones, but they, they you know they, they tend to lack a little bit of resources. They they you know they tend to lack capital. Uh, they tend to be a little bit more expensive to kind of make up on that end. And um, and so I, I think in the end, users are you know they, they 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 won't be able to take advantage of the latest and greatest stuff that's out there um, when they're with more of a niche player. Um, return on investment. I mean, Dennis, you, I, we sell to small businesses, right? And I know that's like your bread and butter as well. I have guys that I sell, I will go in there. They, they can buy, you know, a $50,000 piece of equipment for their business without even like blinking because they're like, well, let me write a check. Cause they know they can put it on the shop floor and it's going to give them, it's going to start making product the next day, you know? And yet they will agonize over like a $5,000 investment in a CRM system. It's like, they just can't get their arms around it. So you're speaking to a prospective customer for copper and they're like, well, we've got to make this investment. How do you, how do you justify the ROI? Like what advice do you have for a business owner that's considering this investment where they can actually look at it over a five to seven year period and be like, I can see the payback. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel exactly what you're feeling. And it's a little strange at times when you actually say, <laughs> yeah, some of that's a no brainer to you and me, right? <laughs> what, what, why, yeah. why is it so, so difficult? Now, I think there are two, um, two areas that we, we spend time on with our customers uh, when we sort of experience like, what the actual motivation is to to buy a, to buy a CRM in the first place, and it usually comes down to uh, one or two things or both. One is obviously uh, the, uh, most companies buy a CRM because they are growing, right? Very few companies will grow, will buy a CRM when they're not. Okay, so so you're, what you're trying to deal with is the growth challenge, and you're asking yourself the question on effectiveness, effectiveness, efficiency, or getting everybody to do it in the same way. You're asking yourself these sort of questions. So what we tend to look at is two things as leads coming in and as the leads being, are these leads actually treated in the best possible way? You're maximizing yield out of the leads. Yeah. That's obviously a pretty classical thing, but most of our businesses actually drive a lot of custom from existing customers. And so our biggest ROI, ROI comes from that, where you say, okay, so you have 300 relationships. How do you identify opportunities there? And what mostly comes back is, well, I've got two account managers or three account managers and they call them and they have a relation. I said, well, you just don't know. So you just don't know. And actually, so you're telling me that 80% of your revenue of your future business is coming from these clients. You have no way of telling us whether you've got early conversations, whether everybody's following up on stuff or what happened with that project, whether they're happy, whether you have no idea. And I think so that strangely, the biggest opportunity sits in businesses that don't have necessarily an enormous amount of problems with lead follow-up, but actually have an active base of customers and have no system in place. Systems in process, mechanism, or visibility for you as the CEO to look at is, are we actually doing the best we can with these existing customers? And that ROI at these sort of money levels that we have is, I don't know, months, not years, right? Because if we can identify one or two opportunities a year, I mean, the CRM investment is the last thing you'd be thinking about. You're only spending, you know, X amount per users is really not not uh, not that much. So um, uh, I tend to focus most of our conversations on that side. How do you expand the opportunity with the existing base? Because most people haven't really thought through. You know what a lead is, but what do you call yeah, sure. an opportunity that you haven't identified with an existing customer? Right? How, how do you how do you treat that? 
Yeah, it's funny, you know, and I, 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 I agree with that approach. I also take the approach. Um, I mean, I'm a CPA, so I take like an accounting, you know, approach, right? So, you know, you're either you're you're going to buy something because it's either going to increase your revenues or it's going to decrease your costs. I mean, in the end, it's as simple as that. So you you were talking about identifying opportunities from existing customers. Um, I see cust- clients of mine that if I could say, can you quantify? If you didn't have a good system of follow ups, even you know, how many, how many deals are you missing in a year? You know, how many bids fall through the cracks or quotes fall through the cracks? If there's just one or two, calculate that lost revenue, that lost margin and figure that into your ROI situation. Um, and then on the cost side, I see some clients see where I'll be like, if you had this, do you not agree you could save X amount of hours a week just because it's more efficient to do something? And then if you take a, you're paying somebody this amount per hour, and then over the course of a year, this is how much you'd be, you know, so it's just a mathematical, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And I, um, I agree with that approach. There's, an, there's another factor potentially, Gene, that okay. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, nowadays you have to also think about knowledge retention or client communication information, managing that, right? Because right. Uh, we have, uh, we talk, I don't know what the terminology, people talk about the great resignation and whatever, but the reality yeah. is what you don't want if you're running a company is that the information that pertains to your client communication actually sits in your employee's inbox and there's no record of it centrally. And so I don't know what the cost is of missing that, but I'm pretty certain we could make a pretty good case that if you have more than, I don't know, 10 employees, you're probably going to have anywhere between two or three leaving at any given point in the year. And if the if you have to rely on inboxes for that communication, um, that has a, a big cost itself. Um, and I think increasingly what we're seeing is clients are thinking about what it, what, what it means as you're growing, as you're adding employees and how you make sure that your, your the information, which is your IP, really the information that you have on your customers is pulled into one place without having to rely on somebody to do it for you. You know, you mentioned IP as well. Um, and again, we're talking ROI. There, there's that short-term ROI like that. Um, then there's long-term, like I'm, I'm finding, you know, I, so many of my clients are, are older, you know, I mean, like the, the, you know, you know, more than half of the business owners in this country are over the age of 50, you know? And so they're looking, you know, to the future, maybe selling their businesses or having an exit or succession planning. And I don't know if you're seeing the same thing among your customer base, but those customers that have really great CRM systems, you know, they, they you know, it, it increases the valuation of their business. You know, it's a big data world, 100%. you know? Um, and I think sometimes people forget that there's not only the short-term benefits of, of using a product like copper, but there is this long-term intellectual property and tangible asset that you're building yeah. um, that will help your business. No question about it. If you're, if you, if you have an exit in mind, if your company, uh, having a long record of how your customers perform and running some analysis of it at the time is Absolutely going to be invaluable. It also tells you something about how the company is being run, right? There's a, there's a signaling there too, which is this company's operationally run tightly. Uh, but you could you, you might be surprised what you find with your run analysis. We, 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 uh, we run our own analysis on our own. And I mean, every month there is something that we discover that there's no way I would have thought about that. That you're thinking like, wow, right. we introduced this plan and... A lot of these customers are taking up, but it was an expensive plan. I didn't understand why are they, why is the uptake so high? I would have never predicted it. I was completely wrong in my original assumptions. And it's really that data that sort of proves you uh, otherwise. So uh, I co- there's actually a really good call out uh, thinking about the right. future. Um, 
it is in your best interest as the CEO of Copper to make sure that your customers are using your product forever and they're paying your monthly fees. Um, I find like this 2080 rule, and I don't know if you see the same thing. You know, I got, you know, you know, you know, 80% of my clients are using less than 20% of their CRMs, you know, um, 20% of my clients are really using it well. And the other 80% are basically using it as like a glorified Rolodex at best, you know, um, why do you think that is like, why, why does it say you must be seeing something similar? Like, why don't you think particularly smaller companies just don't leverage the, these, these platforms the way they should? Yeah. Um, I think we've made, CRMs too complicated. Two things: we make them way too complex, and it's almost like uh, it's become a, a, a tool for technologists by technologists now, right? And I think if you think about our customers, eighty percent of our customers are outside of the tech industry. I've only got twenty percent of SaaS companies in the in our base, and so most of the companies that we sell to are really uh, uh, financial advisors, real estate agents, like relationship-intensive industries, creative design agencies, you name it. Right. And these folks really don't want to spend a lot of time in the CRM. So actually measuring how long some expensive CRM is a really bad metric. Um, they want to just do their business, do their thing and get out and get on with their business because the CRM is just a tool in that regards. It's an important tool, but it's a tool. And so I think we have overcomplicated CRM, especially as we started adding integrations as an industry, like more integrations, adding more. Every time we did that, we sort of expanded the work surface a little bit more, right? More tabs, more blocks, more custom fields, more whatever. And every time you do that, you sacrifice a little bit on ease of use. And if you do it long enough, it becomes a pretty big uh, problem. So we are maniacally focused on this thing. Most of our customers sign up self-serve on themselves and then actually start to use it. We use their activation rate as a cue for us to engage with them. And, and we want that to happen because I think what I'm seeing more is we actually have a really high active use, daily and weekly active use at Copper. But what I am seeing is that it takes some folks a time to get to that level. And if they don't get there, they end up using it, like you just said, like a glorified Rolodex. So there's this very important first sort of period where you have to sort of set your habits and maybe have some help from someone to help you do it right or do it right for you. Um, and once you've done that, it's, it becomes habitual. And then it's, then it's easy. Then you know what to do. Uh, but we're working very hard. In fact, it's funny. Our next product release is going to remove a whole bunch of stuff. It's the first time I've done that in my career. But we're actually going to remove yeah. a whole bunch of things that actually say, this makes no sense. Why? If we do that, people are not using it. Take it out. We wind up doing the same thing, uh, like dumbing it down for clients. So we, we tell them, well, the features are there. We're just going to hide them because you're really, you know, you're not, you're just not going to use it. I mean, do, does it frustrate you sometimes? Do you think to yourself, like, listen, I mean, Copper's a great product. Uh, you know, I, I, when I, when I talk about Copper and I compare it to other products, you have Zoho, Nimble, Sugar, you know, all the, all the different ones that play in different space. And let's assume that, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the Gmail thing isn't the highest priority, but it's something that's important. I, I always think that like, you know, regardless of which CRM you choose, if it's implemented the right way, and if you've got the right culture, you, you can succeed with it. You know, it's not that copper is so much greater than its competitors. It's great, but it's just, it's got in the end, it's got to come internally, you know? I mean, so is it a training thing? Do you, I mean, is, is it just an internal investment uh, thing? I think it's a, com a, a commitment thing. I, it's funny. Um, 
I've often when I when we first started on this sort of the whole CRM uh, embargo, we had this conversation about should we have monthly plans or should it all be annual plans? And this big yeah. decision was about commitment. And I had this analogy of uh, going to the gym, being fit, right? Wanting to be fit, and so I say, okay, watch this space. I said, let's do an experiment. We have a theoretical uh, gym company, and uh, we have two companies. One company only offers annual plan. The other company only offers offers monthly plans too. I said, we're going to look at January. What do you think is going to happen? I said, well, we're going to have a surge of people that want to get healthy, right? So amazing that these businesses are going to do really well. And let's check, let's check back in in February and March and sort of see how these businesses are doing. What are your predictions? Yeah? What do you predict? Do you, what do you predict of the customers that are continuing to go to the gym with those that have an annual plan versus the customers that have a monthly plan. And everybody predicted that the customers that would be a monthly plan would see a drop in attendance as the as the week got further into the year. But they didn't predict that with annual customers. They say, no, these annual customers are going to go. Well, why are they going to go? I said, well, because they're paying for it. I said, so oh, interesting. So I said, so the pay, the, there is something around it. So now it's not quite perfect, but I do think there is a commitment needed at the top uh, that some stuff is not optional, right? That this is this is how we run the business. And as, as part of we running the business, and so this is why we're really hot at Copper to have a CEO seat. <laughs> this is like a seat that we, uh, if I have to give it, I will give it uh, to make sure that the CEO has a seat because I don't know that you can do it without that commitment. It doesn't matter how long you take to get it right. It doesn't matter how complicated or simple you keep. It just matters that you do it and you do it consistently and you, and you know that people are using the information. I think employees get discouraged if they have put stuff in, but their managers aren't doing anything with the information. Then it kind of like feels, yeah. well, what about, it's not helping me, right? So if it's not helping me and you're not looking at it, what, what, what's the point? And I agree with, your, with you philosophically that the most failures are really not because the CRM was bad. It's really because the A, the implementation was ill-conceived and B, there just wasn't enough accountability and, 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 and serious sort of uh, use at the top to continue to reinforce, to create, it takes a long time to create a habit. And this is one of them. You know, in the end, I mean, uh, these CRM systems are nothing, they're just databases. That's really all they are. And and they're, they're full of dated information. It's all about using, you know, I always tell the story of like a, a couple times a year, two, three times a year, I've got like the, the dream prospect comes along. And it's usually some sales manager who's been around for a while and who has switched jobs. And I'll be like, hey, Gene, uh, we use copper at the last job. We want to use copper in this job. Uh, you know, at my new company, uh, I got 10 people reporting to me, come on in, set it up. I need these three reports coming yeah. out of it. Cause that's how I run my team. Um, and just do that and I'll pay you, you know, it's like when people know what they want. Wow. Yeah. It's just, it's like so clear cut. And by the way, his, this guy's team, it's always the same. They always, they know exactly what's expected from the leader of the team, put this information in so I can get my pipeline report. I can get my activity report there. The stuff that I'm using to run my, you know, run my operation. Yeah. You know? I mean, nowadays, um, I, I think that's great. I think the other problem is also self-created by the CRM industry, right? I mean, we are very focused on the end. I always feel that CRMs have been built upside down almost. They, they almost designed to serve the, the managers and create information at the top at the expense of sort of user productivity and use. 
and we try to come at it from a uh, uh, the user first. And, and you know, today pulling information together, creating the reports, it's technologically no longer a problem, right? I can, I can even if it's in separate places, I can get it into a data warehouse, and then if you have somebody smart like you, we can get the reports to you. Technically, it's not a problem; it's more a competency issue. Like, can we get somebody that's smart enough to do it? It used to be the case that you have to have everything in the same database, otherwise you couldn't get it out. But that's no longer the case. So there is no reason why we couldn't make it super easy for users. In other words, if you say, hey, if you install Copper or whatever tool you prefer, all of that information, should, there should be minimal input required from you. If it is digital, if it exists in a doc, in a sheet, in an email, it should just be in your CRM. It shouldn't be difficult. It should, it, it should be done for you. So I think automation, tagging, should make it really low input for users. Say, let's not create more work. Then let's do let's let's ask users to do intelligent things, or let the tool be helpful. Say, hey, you have a follow up, or you didn't respond to this thing. You, you have an opportunity closing this month, and there has actually not been anything back from your customer. You're the only one emailing. Do you want to check that out? And now, actually, it's kind of helpful to me because <laughs> I get these prompts of thinking, yeah, I should. And and, sure. and so I think. There is a, the, what has not helped is that some of us have grown up with a tool that was really more designed for us to put stuff in, for somebody else to look at, yeah. and that needs to change. We need to change, I don't think, and, and a generation that's coming, uh, Gen Z and, 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 and millennials, don't accept that, right? They basically say, it better be useful for me, otherwise I'm just going to install something alongside it and just I'll do that and I'll copy paste it if I need to, but I'm not going to use that tool. And I actually think that's a good forcing function for us to just build simpler systems that are useful for users. It's great. Dennis, listen, we only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, you know, one one final question is just a takeaway. So, you know, as we're talking now, there's, you know, there's, there's 11 million unfilled jobs. There's, you know, we're, we're still in an economy where there's 4 million less workers that are working than before the pandemic. Uh, so labor is a big issue among all of our clients. It's a, like number one. Um, along with inflation, but labor is a very, very big issue. So, uh, you know, it, you, with all of the automation that that Copper provides and and other CRMs like it, with between AI and workflows and you know all that, to, you know, integrations or whatever, in the end, isn't this going to help companies keep their labor investments as low as possible? Will this not help companies get more work done? With the same people, or maybe even less people, through this audit—is that where you see one of the powerful things of CRM going forward? Yeah, I think uh, you know technology is deflationary, um, and so uh, I think the the short answer to that question is yes. That's what we are seeing, and that's what you're going to start to see. And it and it's an interesting shift that we need to watch. Right? We've seen, in my opinion, we've seen this cycle with manufacturing where we uh, have applied automation, we've applied outsourcing. And this is a similar version of automation and, and insourcing. It's just you're outsourcing it to machines instead of other humans on another side of the planet, but it's the same thing. And there's an opportunity for people to do more meaningful work, especially as people re-entering into the workforce, stuff that requires emotion or intelligence, but anything that is repeat and can be repeated or is high velocity transactional will in the future not really be done by humans and why would you right so what you want humans for is the emotional uh, uh, interaction connectivity so i think i think people would do really well that they are in sales roles account management anything that requires humans interaction 
I'm not a proponent of AI in decision models. I'm a proponent of AI in cataloging, tagging, and making information uh, organized. And I think AI should help us to make better decisions by surfing up information in patterns that we otherwise wouldn't have seen. But the decision should be made by us because I, I, I've seen too much of AI and know too much of how it works that I don't really want to see the decision making to it. So I think there are wonderful opportunities as folks re-enter the workforce, but you have to think about that you, as, a, as a sort of as a human being that you add more value based on but you know our capabilities to empathize and intelligently think about situations and not do too much repeat work. So yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's a big opportunity for CRM and automation in general, so RPA type uh, uh, segments. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how this plays out over the year. As as a society, we're aging, right? So if you look at the uh, to your point, I think a lot of those uh, four million are probably folks that have decided to retire. We're not going to re-enter into uh, the workforce at all. And I think we're going to see that at a clip. Um, and so we are going to have to do uh, more with less uh, to, get, to get the economy predictive over time. And I think that's going to be with us. It also means that some of us can be working longer because the only thing we have to use is our brain, which is I'm kind of looking forward to because I don't like the idea of retirement. I don't know about I'm okay. Yeah, I feel, feel the same way. I feel the same way. Dennis Foy is the CEO of Copper. Guys, if you um, are looking for a CRM application, and this is coming from somebody who uh, has been implementing CRMs for a long time, it is a wonderful platform, a great application, uh, particularly if you're a Google person. Um, so if you're in Gmail or G Suite, um, it, it, it should be a very, very high priority to look at. So Dennis, thank you so much uh, for joining me. It was a great conversation. I learned a lot. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Gene. Really enjoyed uh, speaking with you. I appreciate it. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.